For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Woo! I'm excited today. This is a big episode. Number 250. Yeah, boy! That's right, we did it. Five years I've been doing lead singer syndrome And before I get into this amazing five-year anniversary episode with Brandon Saller of Atreyu, I've got some people to thank. And I don't usually, you know, toot my own horn too much. I kind of just go with the punches and, hey, okay, episode 100 with Tim from Rise Against, episode 200 with William from Allison Chains. You know, I do celebrate the milestones here and there. I don't go that crazy. Today I'm going to go a little crazy, and I do want to give out some shout-outs to some people. First of all, I want to thank all the members of the All Access Club. I had an idea maybe to name all the names, but we'd be here for like a half an hour. Uh, (laughs) So just, man, I love you guys. Thank you for the support and the love over the four years that we've been doing the All Access Club. It's been incredible. We've had our ups. We've had our downs. We've had a lot of fun, though, and for real, you have kept this thing going now for five years. It's just, it's crazy when it just comes out of my mouth, you know? When I started this thing, I didn't know if I would last 10 episodes, 25 episodes. I didn't really think, you know, I I had a contract with a company called Jabberjaw Media. Shout out to them. Shout out to Mike and Matt and Nick who started this thing, and I had a contract that was, you know, for all these episodes, like hundreds of episodes, and I'm like, why, what? Like, 
This, I don't know. This is just a name, you know? Lead singer syndrome, oh, it's hilarious. I'll talk to other singers and my friends. And here we are, you know, all these years later. It's just crazy. But yes, shout out to everyone at Jabberjaw for helping me out over the years. And now, I mean, shout out to, to all my people, True Native Media, for running the great ads that I have on here. Everyone at Megaphone who are killing it as well. I got to thank my boy, Mike Howell at Slappy Slam. Give him a follow every Friday. This is the new shit. I know you're loving it. You're letting me know. I know it's good. I know it's really good. We're having so much fun with that. Talking about the new jams. It's really, really great as well. So yeah, man, I really feel like the last eight months that I've been kind of stuck here in this basement, (laughs) you know, has been hard. But this podcast, on a personal note, has kept me going. It's kept me engaged. It's kept me from going crazy. So thank you to everyone who's been listening to this. Um, you know, whether you just started, whether this is your first time listening to the episode uh, this week with Brandon, or whether you've been listening for the entire five years since my very first episode with Caleb from Beartooth. I should go back and listen to that one, man. Go back and listen to that one and see how far I've come. (laughs) I hope I've gotten better. But it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned so much. And most importantly, I have made so many friends. And if you're a former guest of the show, thank you as well for being a part of this thing. And it's really, really been cool for me. So that's my celebratory introduction. I'll go through the motions now. I'll say the things I always say, which because they're important, you know, and I think if I don't say them, maybe we don't get to episode 250, you know, so you can email me leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my emails. And if you want to help at the show, be one of the 400 plus members of the all access club, head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access Throw me a bone for as little as $6 a month. That gets you in. That gets you extra bonus episodes, access to a great community, merchandise, you know, all kinds of stuff. Again, the link for that is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. That's about it. Oh, Silverstein, we have a record coming out November 20th. It's called Redux 2. We've reimagined and re-recorded some of our deep cuts and our favorite songs. We just released an acoustic version of our song, California, which was kind of my baby. So I'm excited about it. Go check that out wherever you get your music. November 20th. That's coming up soon, isn't it? It is. What else? Oh yes. Follow me on Twitch. We're doing live podcasts on Twitch. I don't want you to miss it. I know Twitch is known for video games, but there's a lot more going on there now, especially with music. So make sure you follow me on there, twitch.tv slash Shane Told. Mike and I, we're doing This Is The New Shit live pretty much every week on there. So follow, 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 twitch.tv slash Shane Told. All right, well, that's it. I want to get to this. This is a great episode with a guy that should have been probably in the first 10 episodes. And here we are, five years later, finally chatting but this is this comes at a good time you know with Atreyu their singer longtime vocalist Alex leaving the band Brandon talks about that and also everything he's doing now getting ready to be the lone frontman of Atreyu which is pretty crazy 
Here it is, my conversation with Brandon Saller of Atreyu on Lead Singer Syndrome. Look up in Start to be here. I have listened to your podcast. I have known of your podcast for a long time, and I've gotten. I was told you this the other day. So many people that have been like, "Dude, what are you going to be on LSS?" I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is now, right? Well, we'll start. We'll start right there. Mm-hmm. Brandon Saller of Atreyu on the show. Finally. This is like, I think next week or the week after is the official five-year anniversary of the podcast. Five years. And, you know, I always say this when, you know, I started this thing originally. Mm-hmm. You always think of, there's a few people kind of, you know, like your buddies or some bands with interesting stories or kind of you came up together. And it's like, these are the people that really should be on the show in the first 10 episodes or the first, maybe even 25, not the first 250, but, uh, you know, here we are five years later, finally chatting. And, you know, it, it. it really is. It really is great. I mean, um, congratulations on the new song, by the way. Thank you. Thank Sounding you. Sounding great. I'm loving it. And, you know, I, I guess like we got a lot to talk about, about the present day and everything you guys are doing now, uh, as much as you want to tell me about that. But first... I would just love to pick your brain and kind of start from the beginning, kind of the mm-hmm. old school way about Brandon Saller, you know, the dude, the drummer, the singer from California, really just, you know, to get a, a, a picture of you, because I know you, you know, from playing shows and stuff, but, you know, talking to you, you're just, you're a great dude and great to talk to, but I want to know about the beginnings. So talk to me mm-hmm. about that, like... What's your family structure like? How did it all start? I assume you were born in California. How did you, you know, get into music originally? Um, definitely born, born and raised in California. Um, my dad was always super musical, not in the way of like, like he played like saxophone, but it was just always like super into music. Um, you know, like I was introduced to like Tom Petty and the Wilburys and like the Beatles yeah. Roy Orbison, stuff like that from, from my dad. Like we used to call my dad, Mr. Radio. Cause he knew like every song that was ever on the radio, no matter what. Um, so like that's where stuff kind of sparked um, me playing music um, started. I moved to Southern. Well, my parents split when I was like six, moved to Northern California when I moved. And then when I was 12, I moved back down to Southern California. And that was like my opportunity to be like, okay, new school. Nobody knows who I am. Yep. Um, I'm going to tell people that I play drums. <laughs> they don't know that I don't yet, but this is just what they're going to, they're going to think. And that's, that's the story I'm going to go with. And luckily I was able to like fake it at the beginning well enough to get people to like, be like, yeah, this dude plays drums. I get it. Um, so I moved, moved down to back down to Southern California, joined like marching band, the same thing. Like, what do you play? Like, oh, I'm a drummer. I've been playing drums for four years. And at the time I'm like seventh grade. So, um, like started that way, you know, got the like first like shitty Rogers kit from a pawn shop was in like a punk band with my friends. Um, you know, kind of the, I think typical story of like a young and blossoming punk rock kid, you know? Right. Um, 
And, you know, then I started what the early days of Atreyu was called Retribution. And we were yep. a three-piece punk band. It was uh, myself, Dan, and Alex. And we, um, we like blossomed into the Orange County punk scene. And we played like every rad, like touring show we could have. We played with like the casualties and taste and total chaos oh, wow. and like wow. the addicts and like all these rad bands would come through. There was this like little 14 and 15, 16 year old kids like playing opening for them. Right. Um, so we did that for a handful of years and that sprouted into a Treyu and, and then here we are I, 20 plus years later. <laughs> I love the story of like, you know, we talk about on this podcast all the time, the whole idea of fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. you know and that's like the ultimate thing like yeah i'm a drummer you know like yeah. i picture the kids that they keep the sticks in the back pocket you know everywhere they go <laughs> yeah. and it's totally, like i do this all like, time i'm a drummer this is actually what i do <laughs> <laughs> and, but it worked and, you know it, it's interesting you know you bring up you bring up alex and, and uh was it dan you said was the other other um mm -hmm. a person in your band you know you've known mm -hmm. them for a long time been playing music with them you know uh, i guess on and off now for a long time you know, when did you kind of realize, hey, like maybe I want to do some singing too? Because, you know, obviously drumming and singing, it's been done before. You know, hey, you brought up the Beatles. Ringo Starr, you know, he dabbled in, yeah. um, in playing drums and singing, but it's not the classic thing. So kind of when did that, yeah. when did you kind of realize, hey, I actually kind of can carry a tune here. Like maybe I can contribute to whether it was that band or, or whatever it was. Uh, we were in high school and myself and Dan um, had, we started a band, like a pop punk band. Cause at the same time, like, I think people think of like the band you're in, you guys are a better example. Cause you guys definitely ride that line of like punk, pop punk, yeah. hardcore. Like you have everything. A tray is more like hard rock metal. We, you know, it, sure. it's still varied, but we were super into like in flames and like Throwdown and stuff like that. But at the same time, like really into like saves the day and the get up kids and like, you know, stuff like that. So like we started a pop punk band called dreaming in blue. And the original singer of that band was a guy named Johnny Russell, who used to play guitar in that band, the cold war kids. Yep. Um, we just went to high school with him and he was our singer and he like, went out of town or something and I had wrote a song and we recorded it at Dan's house. And I was like, Oh, I'll just sing it so that, you know, we have it so that it's, we remember it and I can whatever. And uh, after doing that, Dan was like, why don't you sing for our band? Like, what, what are you doing? Like <laughs> you can sing songs. Like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, I guess, I don't know. Like, so I, I became the singer of dreaming in blue. And at the same time uh, started, like we started incorporating singing into a trade songs. Um, and that just kind of like went from there. Cause at the time there wasn't really that, like you said, the singing drummer thing is not that often. Like there was no, there wasn't really very many hardcore bands that are like metal bands that had like singing, like poppy choruses. So we were like, this is cool. Like maybe this will set us apart and be something weird. And, and so we started doing that. That's how I started singing. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, there, of course, a few come to mind, you know, that came out around the same time as you guys, like that, the one I always think of is like from autumn to ashes, right. With mm -hmm. Fran behind the kit singing and stuff like that was a similar yep. sort of model, but it was the same as, as like, even with Silverstein at the time, you know, bringing in, you know, clean, like me doing both vocals, right. The singing yeah. and the screaming, we mm -hmm. were one of the first bands to do that. And then all of a sudden, a lot of bands are doing it, right? It's like, it's like exactly. funny how no matter where you come from, uh, you know, in the world, pretty much, because I'm Canadian and you're American, but, you know, in the scene, there were a lot of bands kind of 
kind of coming up with the same conclusions as to what to do next based on our same influences without yeah. really always like not ripping each other off. Like I didn't even know, like I never even heard of census fail. And all of a yeah. sudden there's a band that kind of sounds like us and doing the same thing. I never heard of them. We just kind yeah. of all developed the same sort of influences, which I think with the Treyu and, you know, you guys coming up in that Southern California, you know, I guess we'll call it the metalcore scene, but you know, mm -hmm. it was cool because you were taking elements of New York hardcore and then elements of like Southern California punk rock and kind of making this new music that had, I, I always loved it. I've always been more of a, a West coast music person, mm -hmm. um, even with hip hop, to be honest, I don't want to get shot or not. That's fair. That's but, fair. Uh, no, straight up. Like I've always been a West coast guy. So like one of the bands I remember loving, uh, was strife. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, LA hardcore legends. I love yep. that. And then when I started hearing about, yeah, you know, you guys, 18 visions, uh, like until their ink runs out, like classic, classic record that to me changed was game changing. And then obviously yeah. the element that you guys brought in with you and singing, was huge as well. What was my question is what was that like, you know, kind of coming up there? Did you know it was something special? Uh, uh and also follow-up question, you know, was it a lot of hardcore versus punk rock in those days or was it were you guys kind of more unified? Well, I feel like coming up, I mean, we I think we internally thought we had something special and we loved it, but in the scene, we were like the ultimate outcasts. Like oh, yeah. a lot of the Orange County, especially in the hardcore scene, a lot of the bands came from like South County, like towards the beach. We were like inland kids. So like, I just think that because what we did came from more of a punk background, like we were not the, we were not like the popular boys in the scene. <laughs> like we had our own thing, to be honest, it was us and Avenged Sevenfold. And we both had kind right. of a similar thing. Now, Avenge was from Huntington. So like they kind of were in with some of those bands, but like we both had to really pave our own way in the local scene. And, you know, we played a handful of shows together, like way back when, um, but it definitely wasn't um, like, we thought it was rad, but everyone else thought it was not very cool. <laughs> uh, but which kind of just made us like push harder. And I think as far as punk goes, like, in Orange County, to me, those scenes were so separate, you know, like yeah. the punk scene and the hardcore scene were two like completely different things. Like you never saw like punk kids at hardcore shows and vice versa. Um, it was just like a strangely a totally separate thing. So um, where we came from, like the punk scene in Orange County, where we how we experienced it, we were from this town called Yorba Linda, which is like a rich kid town. Um, the, the town slogan is the land of gracious living. Um, which as you can imagine being a punk band is not all that accepted um, when you're yeah. playing shows with like crust punk bands. And like at the time we're all like 15 years old. We're like, we're not rich. Like some of our parents are like middle-class citizens, but we're not like rich. None of us are rich kids. Yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, so I, we always found that the punk scene was way more judgmental and kind of like not very punk. <laughs> and then the hardcore scene, like, although, although they like, we weren't the cool kids, like, hardcore fans were like way cooler to us. Like yeah. People that went out to our shows were way more accepting and like yeah. nice about stuff. It's interesting. Yeah. You're in this scene where you don't really know if you belong and then you sign to a label that is very polarizing. Um, yeah. You know, talk to me about the victory signing, how that happened and 
you know, I was on your show and shout out to your Twitch channel, by the way. Let's plug it real quick. Twitch.tv slash Brandon Saller. There it is. Make sure you follow him uh, and subscribe to his channel on Twitch. He's doing some great stuff. Uh, Far more advanced than this this one here, at least so far. (laughs) I just have fancy backgrounds. That's it. (laughs) No, but but, you know, you had me on the other day and thanks for that. But, you know, we talked a lot about victory and Mm -hmm. we shared some stories and I don't mean we don't need to repeat all that, but we uh, we do need to talk about victory because that's a shared thing with us that we went through in a very, very important aspect of your career and what's brought you here. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'm sure you'll agree with me if victory never signed your band and victory never signed my band wouldn't be here today. Yeah, it was definitely a huge, uh, although be it, you know, uh, interesting and trying stepping stone. Yeah. A very necessary stepping stone. But uh, I mean, yeah, victory was weird. Like we made, we, so we made a, a demo CD called visions. That was like the first thing we ever recorded as a Treyu. We sent it out to everyone. And I think we got a total of zero response replies back. Like, none. wow. Everyone was just like pass. And we're wow. like, okay, cool. And locally it was going like pretty good though. Um, we could see growth and we were, we were just, we're kids. So we're just excited to play. It didn't matter. So we went in again and funded ourselves again and recorded a EP called fractures and sent that out to literally everyone also. And the one person um, that responded, one label was um, tribunal records from, I think they're from North Carolina of or South course, Carolina. Yeah. I, tribunal put out, they put out the early poison, the well stuff, right? Yeah. Poison the well. They, yeah. they put out early from modern to ashes too. Yeah. Um, and they were like, love this. Uh, we'll put out the EP, blah, blah, blah. They were actually super cool. Like there was like a really easy deal. And so they put out that EP. I think like the week it was released, um, somebody had hit up a girl who you and I both know, Kathy at Victory. Yeah. Uh, and she had like one of those friends that just like found bands. Like it was like they, this person scoured the internet or whatever it was for any new band they could find. One of those bands was us. So that friend told her about us. She uh, loved it. She contacted, I think it was Alex. We didn't, I don't even think we had management at the time. Um, and was like, love your band. I work for Victory. We want to sign you. The owner wants to sign you. Like he's in, let's do this kind of thing. It was okay. very like, okay. like didn't come see us play, nothing. And um, I think they asked for us to film a show. They're like, are you playing it? Like, can we see you play? And maybe she came out. I think maybe she actually came out to Orange County and watched us play a show. Um, which we thought was nuts that we're like, wait, you're from Chicago and you're going to come all the way out here just to watch us play a show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we signed a victory, like b- essentially right when the EP came out and within like a month, we had gone out to New Jersey to record our debut and uh, for victory, which was insane for us. Like yeah. we didn't, we had never done anything. We never traveled. We had never been to the East coast. We had not fully toured at all. Um, so it was just kind of like, all right, we're, we're doing this. That's well, how it goes. <laughs> and, and at the time, so the, the, the first album, Suicide Notes and Butterfly mm-hmm. Kisses, I believe is the title. Uh, mm-hmm. That record came out in 02. So when this was all happening, was this that year or was it the year before 2001? Do you remember? I think it was 2001. Okay. That it actually like, we actually got signed and made the record. The, the reason I ask you this is because around this time, Victory was making this dramatic change from mm-hmm. being a hardcore label and that people knew from Snapcase and Earth Crisis and Strife, as I mentioned, those were the big bands and they were all, you know, 
really, really like in your face aggressive bands. And then they started putting out, or I should say, they always put out different stuff, but I should say that a lot of the more popularity came with uh, Thursday and to a lesser extent, taking back Sunday. Um, Mm -hmm. Thursday was blowing up. Now, when you signed, I assume that hadn't quite happened yet. This was probably all in motion while you were getting signed and, and recording, right? Yeah, I think Thursday had like just happened and we were all like, all of us were like, whoa, like this band's fucking up. We had, were like Thursday fans like that had just kind of started existing. And like you said, like we were all Snapcase fans. Yeah. And, you know, um, so it's kind of one of those things that it was very simultaneous, but we liked Victory just because of the like legendary thing. You know what I mean? Like in the hardcore world, it was like of course. their roster was insane. So of course. that all kind of happened simultaneously. Even Take Back Sunday was very much like around the same time um, yeah. as we signed. It's just interesting, right? Because you sign to a label kind of expecting a certain thing. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. when we signed to Victory, you know, it, it, it still hadn't gotten. And we, and we and I should be clear. So the, the first Silverstein record uh, came out like 2003, right? So a little mm-hmm. bit after you guys, like a year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, even at that point, Taking Back Sunday had just sort of started to explode like but it wasn't the kind of thing like, hey, you're going to sign to Victory and this is like, you're going to be this big band, career band, and, and like you're going to, no matter who you are, you're going to sell 50,000 records and you could sell like 200,000 200, records yeah. and you could have a gold record eventually, yeah. right? That was mm-hmm. like, I remember when Thursday sold 100,000, it was like the craziest yeah. thing. Absolutely insane. That was such a big deal, um, you know, and when we signed, it wasn't yet. So yeah. what was it like earlier in your career when you just watched things explode and you went from just being this little California band, probably like you had a good following at Chain Reaction or whatever, to mm-hmm. playing like massive places and just just thinking to yourselves, what the hell happened? It, it all was so just like it just went like we went and record our record. We came home like me and Dan dro- like dropped out of call. We were in like recording engineering college and we dropped out and we're like, we have to go record a record. Then we're going on tour. But that all happened so fast. Cause it was like, we were a local band. And then all of a sudden we got signed, we recorded a record. And then it was like, Hey, we have your first, like your first tour booked. You're going out with, um, it was this band called drowning man. And oh yeah. And Sky Came Falling. I love and, Drowning Man. I haven't heard. I forgot about that band. Yeah. Yeah, they were and awesome. We're like, Sky Came Falling sure. was a good band too, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we, uh, and we, so we did that full national tour. And then like right after that, we went out with Snapcase and Boy Sets Fire. Um, wow. And then like right after that, we went to Europe with Boy Sets Fire. And like, so it was just like bang, 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 bang. And like, it didn't stop. I remember the, our first week of Suicide Notes, we were in Denver and we got like the first week or whatever. And we had done like, I think we did like 1800 first week and I was like, pretty good. Holy shit. 1800 people bought our record. I was like, that's insane. And we were like, so stoked. And then I remember the next week it went up and we did like 2200 or something. And I was like, no, no, wow. I thought you said it was 1800. And our label was like, no, that was last week. And I'm like, I don't understand. In my head, I was so just like naive about what this being in a band was that like, it didn't even occur to me that like, Oh no, more people will buy it next week. Like that's just, this week I was like, wait, I don't understand. Like it didn't, for some reason I just didn't get that. And then I realized like, Oh fuck, people like our band and that this is sort of working all of a sudden. And from there it just kind of went nuts. I That's think crazy. This was a very weird thing that like sales kind of in, increased as they went. 
because it started small, you know what I mean? And then kind of caught. No, that that's, that's super interesting. I mean, I, I, I didn't, we didn't have that experience, you know, at all with, um, with Silverstein. I mean, our <laughs> record, you know, we'd heard about the big victory bands and the big debuts. And like, we had a bunch of, you know, uh, like stuff coming out. But I think at the time we came out, a lot of people thought we were kind of ripping off Thursday and maybe to a lesser extent you guys, because we were a little bit heavier than Thursday. So we were kind of like, oh, you know, people looked at us like, oh, okay, Victory's just churning out another band. They're going to try to like yeah. put on MTV or whatever, you know, and we didn't have great success. I think our first, our first week was only about 500 and, you know, coming out a year after yours, you with the label growing, you would think we would do better than you, you guys, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. we didn't. And, uh, you know, it wasn't for a long time until we started seeing that. So that kind of instant gratification that you guys had, I'm actually a bit surprised. It was, it was weird. It was definitely a strange, I mean, it's, it's almost not a good thing to have early because then when it doesn't happen later, you're like, wait, well, what, what, <laughs> like, but like it was, I mean, we, we got very lucky um, in the sense of like, we started small and almost at the exact same time started like exponential growth. Um, right. So it was like cool to, to be like, Oh, this is fucking weird to go from like nothing and ever, and on a weekly basis, see it grow. I mean, I think, I think that suicide notes probably did like a little over 200,000 in it's in the cycle. So for like us, like that was ridiculous. Like that's unheard it, of. It is. It is ridiculous for us. Like I mean, we're like, I don't understand what's happening. So like to go in and do the curse and like those next steps were yeah. just like very energized yeah. for us. Well, Hey, you brought it up. Let's talk about the curse and that album because uh-huh. there, I don't know how much pressure you guys felt making that record. If you knew it was going to make the splash, it did. But I remember hearing, you know, I, I really liked your first record. You know, I, I really liked, um, uh, you know, lip gloss and black and like all those songs. I thought they were great. I thought you guys were on the right track, but there was always a feeling and there still is to a certain extent that like everyone's like, Hmm, was that a fluke? Like, can they do it again? Yeah. And I, I forget which um, song I heard first from the curse, but like you guys came out firing and it was like, Oh shit. Like this band is going to be probably the biggest metalcore band in the world. And I think you guys <laughs> probably were at that time when that album came out. But walk me through yeah. the, the pressure you faced and, you know, the expectations, maybe especially with a label like Victory. Mm-hmm. What what was it like, like delivering that album to Victory? I think that the as far as the label went, I think they were just kind of like stoking us out. Like they were like, <laughs> there wasn't like bad pressure. It was just like, you guys fucking killed it. Like, I, like it was, it was nice. It was good for us. I think we just thought way harder about it. Cause I mean, we like everyone has their whole life to write their first record. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we had, you know, that we wrote suicide notes over the course of probably like a year and a half, you know, trying to get signed this and that there's only like three songs that were like old, old songs on suicide notes. So for us, we were like, wanted to just be way more prepared. We went in and like fully demoed uh, the whole record, like wrote the whole record and like recorded the whole thing. We had it like in sequence and everything, before even going to the studio. So I remember like going to Garth Richardson and, and him being like, Hey, like, so like this record's done. <laughs> um, I like it. Like I'll just re-record it essentially and we'll make it sound better. And I'll try to just like kind of guide you in the right direction. So um, we were definitely like the pressure in or within ourselves, it, it wasn't like pressure, pressure, but we were just like, we have to fucking really like put it all into this. Cause 
we, like I said before, we didn't have this gradual thing. It kind of popped from record one. So we wanted to keep that going. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. No, Uh, but we were, we were definitely wanting to just come out. Like you said, come out swinging. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't remember exactly when it was, I think this was before uh, death grip came out when we toured together. The only Mm -hmm. time we've toured together, which might surprise people since, you know, we've been so, um, uh, I don't know. Synonymous intertwined Intertwined is a great word for it, you know, with the label and just the style of music Mm -hmm. and, and the time we came out and being friends, but only touring once, on the 2006, I think, uh, Taste of Chaos. Taste of Chaos. Tour, maybe 2005. No, 2006. 2006. Yeah. yeah. 2006. And just in Canada. But, you know, I remember you guys were pretty close to the top of the bill. Like, I think you were right before right before Deftones. Uh, right before. It was Deftones thrice than us. Right. So really at the top of a tour that's playing arenas. And I remember seeing you with three kick drums. Which was just <laughs> awesome, <laughs> decadent, over the top. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, how do they get from, you know, this pretty humble hardcore band to now we've got Van Halen style three kick drums? And like, I want to kind of understand your guys' take of where you were seeing yourself and where you were projecting yourself and kind of, you know, the whole idea of what Atreyu is going to be because. As much as you guys were punk rock and came from a hardcore scene and everything, I think that you always wanted this. You always wanted to be a big band. You always wanted to be yeah. on the radio like you are now. And I think that that was like the the beginnings of sort of like, hey, we're young. Let's go for it. Yeah, I think that um, when we started, like something happened, something shifted in music in general, um, where the heavy music scene became way more commercial. Um, And we didn't understand that that was a thing until the curse came out. It was selling the records that it was, we were playing our own headline shows and they were as big as they were. And then we were seeing bands like when we were coming up, like, like we started doing like the headbangers ball stuff and like right side of the bed was kind of like, kind of getting played on the radio, like, like weird stuff. We were like, wait, 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 wait. We can be a big band, like a really, really big band (laughs) and play this kind of music. So like that, like we always, every band always wants to be the biggest band in the world. But the reality is in the early 2000s, if you started like a hardcore metal band, like, you know, there's a ceiling on that. You know what I mean? You know, if you're screaming all the time, there's breakdowns and all this stuff like that. It's like, you know, there's like only so far that can go until this all happened. And that kind of went out the window. So that for us, like we always loved production and wanted to be this fucking massive band with everything we could so that tour in general that was sort of right at the uh uh after right after uh the curse and i think death grip actually came out on that tour okay. towards the end of that tour that, that makes um, sense yep um so we like showed up and just decadent is the right word like it was the first time i had three kick drums i was on a six foot tall drum riser oh yeah that's right right you had, had, a, you had a ladder to climb up on it straight up a ladder to get up it. We had 24 <laughs> guitar cabs on stage, like 24, all white guitar cabs. It looked right. like a yep. fucking, like it, it looked like an eighties band playing same time. We roll up first day, just overzealous and decadent as fuck with two buses. Like oh, wow. Deftones is headlining. They're on one bus. Thrice is right below them. They're on one bus. Yep. I think also on the tour was story of the year as they dying. All those other bands. 
one bus, one bus. We're like eh, rolling up with like double, two double pop out buses. I think we were just like, let's just fucking live it, guys. Like, let's just be the biggest band. And then um, that was a huge mistake. Um, but oh, it was, was it? Explain. But, but the performance, uh, oh, financially, just. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. The rest of it, the mentality, the rest of it was good. The rest of it, that led us into a direction where like, it's not a fake it till you make it, but it's like, be the big band in here and you will project the big band out there. Right. Um, so for us, I think that tour was very fruitful for us because it we presented ourselves, I think, in an even bigger light than we even actually were. Um, yeah. And it was, but did we make any money on that tour? No. but it was good i mean and then since then we've always just wanted to like do as much as we can you know i'm still that band like we've never done pyro and i'm like still want to do pyro yeah like still that's that day must come you know (laughs) no no i know i love it man um well let's let's talk about your first breakup can we talk about Mm -hmm. that yeah and you know you talk about all these these things you did and mistakes you made and whatever and how did that all come about? Because I don't remember it being a lot said, really. You know, no. and you guys kind of went away, and then you guys you came back. You know, and everything was great again. In fact, I think your band got better when you came back. Thank but, you. But what was that? What was that process? What exactly happened there? I think that uh, some of us were just kind of like at odds with each other, and we had been going nonstop for. Uh, a decade. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a, one of those things where um, I think there was some pressures to, to like certain members of the band that, that they just weren't dealing with all that great. And I think that internally we were just not butting heads, but just like not fully like enjoying each other um, like we should. And I remember we played in Florida house of blues one day we, and we were, um, it was weird because we, we did two nights at the Orlando House of Blues yeah, and both of both room. of them were sold out. Big room. Yeah, that's like and that's got to like, be close to four, four or five thousand people probably. Yeah. And it was weird to play those shows. And then we had a conversation in the back of the bus and it was like, like talking about like, where's our heads at this and that? And it was like, do we like what if the world kind of like had a break from us? Like, do you think that would be bad? Right. And like it, we started talking about, you know just like what it would be to take a break and what this and that. And I think at the time, me personally, um, you know, I, I was already in the midst of doing like some solo stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well I'll just go do that then. I don't, I don't, didn't like really think it through. Hmm. And we had this big plan to go away and make a big press statement and do all this stuff. Um, And then it didn't work out that way. Um, a member of our band just like went on Twitter and in two Twitter posts told the world that we were going on hiatus or whatever. And that was it. And that's wow. why it was just kind of happened. And we were like, okay, okay, I guess that is what it is. See, um, I always have this fear when I ask people these kinds of questions, because like, first of all, what was that? 2011. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, first of all, it's hard to go back and really find the news, yeah. you know? And I'm I'm kind of going off my memory and I don't want to be completely wrong, but yeah. I literally remember it being like, wait a second, wait, what? And then just yeah. like, is this real? Is this happening? And then just like, oh, I guess so. And just mm-hmm. kind of like it, it kind of pittered out a little bit because like you guys didn't say, okay, we're breaking up. Here's one last tour, buy our tickets, right? That's 
That's no. probably a better move. <laughs> that would have been the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't uh, what we wanted it to be. Um, and then I think that maybe caused the separation to be a little bit more dramatic and not so like copacetic internally. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, all right, fuck it. I'm doing my own thing. I like started making a record, started touring like almost immediately with Hell or High Water. Yep. And just kind of put my head down and went for it. And everyone sort of just went their own way. Like, you know, Porter, our bass player, was like got pretty deep into like graphic design. He's always done graphic design. Um, he worked for like a couple merch companies for a while doing that. Yeah. Um, our guitar player, Dan, has a, a merch company that he's had for years. So he just kind of had that to do. He toured with like some like kind of radio rock band for a little while here and there. Um, just like to go play guitar, you know. And yeah. we all just kind of got busy. And um, Dan would kind of poke his head in like once every six months and be like, what's up guys? Like, what are we doing? And for me, it was like, in my head, in all honesty, I didn't think it was, I thought it was over. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was completely over. Um, and I was like, no, nah, I'm like not ready. Like I'm in the middle, literally like I, he'd be like, Oh, what's up dude. I'm like, I'm driving from, I'm driving to fucking Des Moines. We're on tour with the darkness or like I'm on tour, you know, like we were on tour the whole time. So I was like, I can't, I'm not ready to have in a trade conversation. Cause I'm literally on tour with my other band. Right. Right now. Sure. Um, so he kept poking in, poking in. And then he started like sending us numbers and was like, dude, it's like, something's happening. Um, like our Spotify numbers and like our social media numbers were like making these gigantic jumps. And, and uh, he's like, we haven't done anything for like almost three years. Like, but somehow these were growing, our band's growing. Like, shouldn't we talk about this? Like, shouldn't we have a conversation? Um, so I had gone, um, I hadn't seen really anyone in the band for quite a while. I'd seen Dan a few times, Porter a few times. I hadn't seen Alex in probably two years. Yep. So um, we went and we had lunch. And then um, maybe two weeks later, we all got together and had lunch and just talked about some stuff and, lunch went good. So we're like, why don't we get in a room and try to like play like jam and see what happens and try to write a song. <laughs> lunch so went one, good. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Lunch went good. The, the service <laughs> was nice. Taco was delicious. Let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Get, let's get the band back together. <laughs> yeah. You know, if the service today was shit, this wouldn't have happened, but the service was delightful. Um, and uh, we wrote a song and it went good. That was this song called So Others May Live. And um, it was like, okay, let's fucking do this. And we were very like, tiptoey about it and you could see that um when we made long live our whole cycle was very much like i call it cycle-ish because it was like we played a show at chain reaction to, as our first comeback and it sold out in like 40 seconds so we did another one and then it was like okay what's what's the next step we did like some other show in orange county we played like not fest right. um we aftershock festival so like a couple of little things and then we put out long live and went in to make that record and we're just like I always tell people like that's that's five dudes full of like heavy music angst audibly on tape. Like that's what it sounds like when five dudes haven't created heavy music in like years, cool. you know, and it was like, fuck singles, fuck radio, fuck everything. Yep. And which was a, a horrible way to think. It's always, I think having that, that pinpointed intention in any direction usually will skew your brain from what you should just do naturally. Yeah. Um, I, I can agree with that. I think, I think you don't want to force things like there needs to be no. a certain amount of natural 
um, you know, natural, like, hey, we're going to get together and this is what's going to come out of it. But at the exactly. same time, you know, music is supposed to be a reaction to something, right? Especially when you're mm-hmm. talking about aggressive music. So when well, you hear that. it, you, you hear it on that record. Like you hear yeah. that, that that's a reaction to the the lack of a trade for the, the years prior. Right. We put out that record and like we had weird rules. Like, like we wouldn't tour for longer than two weeks at a time. Because mm. at the time too, we all had like families now. Like I had a kid and um, at the time one kid and, you know, more people are married. And so we're like, cool, we'll do two weeks at a time after the first tour, realizing that that was not like, it wasn't enough. We were like, we, we want to be on tour more. Well, yeah, like, you get we, to the two week mark and then you're, you're like, you've broken even. And then yes. it's like, <laughs> Oh, well now we're going home. It's like if, if every show after this, we're like, you know, way more profitable. Profiting. So, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So we wanted to do that. Uh, the first run we went out was awesome. We brought out Beartooth. Uh, we brought out um, yeah. Woven War a little bit, which was um, the dudes, the post Asley Dying Band, which they were awesome. Um, and uh, it was every tour was successful and great. And we kind of were like, hey, tour manager, previous management, like, we want to tour more. Let's do this more. And they just like didn't listen. So every tour just kept being like two weeks, 10 days, whatever. And it was very lax, just almost too relaxed. And that record did phenomenally well considering we barely supported it and there was no radio. Um, so we kind of just did that. And then, and that led us to the next step. But as far as coming back together, it was all just very much like, how does this feel? How does it not right. feel? Cause like, I, I think different members of the band um, reacted differently to the hiatus or breakup more in the fact that like, I think some of the people in the band myself were like, my band broke up. Like we played our last show in uh, LA at LA House of Blues, and I got off stage and I went up to the dressing room to the shower and just like sat in the shower and I was like fucking weeping because I was like, Man. this is the last time I'm gonna do this. And my wife was like watching us play, doing the same thing. And I remember like uh, I think it was like Alex's wife or something was like, "What's wrong with you? Like, are you okay?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm just emotional, whatever." But in our heads, in my head, I think I was like, "This is it." And I just bailed. I like got off stage and like bailed, hmm. and and because I didn't think it was going to happen again. Um, and then the way it, it actually ended and the way it came out to the public, I was like, "Fuck this!" I was mad, and and you know just pissed for a while. But you get over things and realize that parts of your life are supposed to be there. And you know, Trey is a big part of my life that is meant to exist. You know, absolutely, man, absolutely. Um, so well, I mean, a couple more things to talk about. The- the I think I was really excited. You know, I live just outside Detroit, mm-hmm. and there's a radio station here called 89X. Uh, absolutely great station. Always playing some awesome, awesome bands that don't always get a chance on the radio. Um, but you guys are getting so much radio play here, and I assume that's awesome. spilling over in the rest of the, the country now. I mean, like, I remember hearing House of Gold on the radio, mm-hmm. and I remember it coming on, and, and like, here's the thing, right? I'm a punk rocker and I'm not a huge radio fan, but I, yeah. but I listen to 89 X a lot in part. And I'll be honest because they play Silverstein quite often. So I'm like, <laughs> ah, this is cool. I get to hear my band on the radio, but you know, so once in a while I'll hear, I'll hear something and I'll be like, this is lame. Like this shit fucking sucks. And then once in a while I'll be like, right away, something will come on and I'll, it'll catch my ear and I'll be like, what is this? This is great. Like, this is great. And I'll, like, you know, you don't always know right away. My car has like a little display that tells you the song, yeah. but it, it takes like halfway through the song for it to to like show me. <laughs> so I I'll never forget hearing House of Gold 
I didn't know it was you guys right away. Like I didn't, yeah. you know, it's, it's a bit of a softer song. I, I think of you guys as like a heavier band and yeah. then it, it came on and I was like, Oh shit, no way. And, and I'll tell you, man, that song, like I'm turning that up every time it's on the radio. I think it's one yeah. of your best songs. You Thank know, you. It's, you guys have had a tremendous amount of success with that album, mm-hmm. you know, a couple singles on there working with John Feldman, you know, obviously he's known now as like such a hit maker. What's that been like now? And let's talk about how that has led you to your kind of the phase that you're in of the band now, obviously with the dramatic change. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like our our relationship with Feldman started on lead sales, which is, you know, what, 13 something, 14 years ago now. Um, And then we had made a record with him for over a decade. We approached him at the APMAs uh, like a handful of years ago and i hadn't seen him in years and i kind of thought he had written us off because like we didn't go back to him and um there was some not unsavory but not kind things said about him um from some people in the band and um and i was like dude i love you like let's make another record and he was like i'm fucking in like it was no hesitation cool so we started talking to him again we did in our wake and uh it was the first time we ever had you know anyone else's kind of input he's always produced and been heavily into that but like you know, we wrote some of the stuff with him and like he was in way more involved and it was really cool to have just a new brain in the room. Um, yeah. And I mean, that in our wake was eye opening for us again, because like House of Gold was really successful. The Time Is Now was like got so many uses for like so much sync stuff and like every fucking sport event ever. So we got really lucky oh, yeah. with a lot of good stuff on that. And it kind of really made us, it was like John Feldman's the first producer we ever used twice. And we were like, I think he's kind of our guy. Like he really like, we just love the way he works and we love what comes out of us when we work with him. Um, So it was a no brainer to, to do it again for the, what will be the next album. Yeah. Kind of takes us to where we are now, but yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely uh, like you said, some big changes recently have happened and um, we're all just kind of like, reveling in it at the moment because it's going exceedingly well which is always a good feeling like you said earlier like did you realize that like some of this song or this record was going to make as big of a ripple as it did blah blah it's like you always may think that things are great but it doesn't matter what what i think or the the five dudes in my band think it matters what the public thinks so it's like you're always like this shit's fucking awesome and you have to wait till it to come out to like (laughs) for other people to validate it but for us like i think now more than ever we were more attached and more kind of like hopeful about all this music that we're making. Cause like right. we did have a very big shift and it's going phenomenal so far. Yeah. So. I mean, and the role, the way that all kind of came to be, um, and again, like I'm not going to pressure you to talk about it or you can say whatever yeah. you want. And if you want to tell me to shut up, tell me to shut up. But you know, um, it was, it was very strange. The news, it kind of was like someone reported on it. Okay. Alex is out of the band. No one really knows what happens. Then no, he's not. Then like, yeah, he is. And you know, you're getting announced as, you know, the the front man and you know, you're going to bring in another drummer and all that. Like this is obviously a really big change for your fans that have been, you know, with you guys for the better part of 20 years. Yeah. And it's a lot of pressure on you as a front man now, um, you know, not just being behind the kit, you know, but, but walk me through, like, I guess if you can talk about what happened, go ahead. If you can't, you can't, but I guess just talk to me now about how you're feeling about the pressure. And, you know, I know on your Twitch, you're doing some practicing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, just walk me through that because it's it's definitely right now. It's a weird year to begin with, but even weirder if you're in the Atreyu camp. Might as well just throw some more weird on the pile. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. The weird fire is burning, burning real hot. Um, no, I, th- I think, you know, I-, I think a lot of people have been wanting uh, answers, whatever that will mean to people about what has been happening with us. And, um, you know, we're not a band. The, the five of us don't want to be dramatic and don't want to have – um, for lack of a better word, like some ugly divorce, you yeah. know, um, I think internally there was, um, conversations that were had and led us to the decision to, to have a split. Um, and I think people just want to make sides out of it. They want to like no sides and they want to pick a side. Um, and they just want the drama. Um, but I feel like what's most important is that, you know, this was a decision that was really made as a collective and um, both parties, I think will be better for it. You know, Um, there's some things that, that for instance, that Alex is really, really passionate about his painting and he'll, he'll continue to make music and that he will just thrive in even more. And, and, you know, he has a lot left in his tank and I think we have a lot left in our tank, obviously. Um, But it's people, I think just people don't want to see, people don't want to see happy stuff, you know? And, hmm. and, the and it's kind of been confusing because our side has been very PC and, and his has been maybe a little bit more um, upset, but uh, people just are, have their own emotions and their own ideas of, of how they think things should be. And at the end of the day, the true statement that I can make about the whole thing is that we're really, really excited for what is, existing now as a Treyu, we're really 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 excited about the music we're putting out and we're really really supportive of of al you know we i i hope nothing but wonderful things for him and i i love his art i love his his music that he makes i love you know his painting i hope to see more of it i hope to see uh both parties thrive you know on their own fuck yeah dude well said uh and thank you for the explanation i'm sure a lot of people are wondering you know you know, what's going on in kind of the future. Um, that leads me to, you know, you in this new role, mm-hmm. be honest with me. I mean, that's not like, you must be a little bit scared. Uh, you know, I've seen, um, <laughs> yes, of course. But I think that the last maybe six or seven years of my life have, have maybe prepped me for this. Like obviously with hell or high water, like being a front man, I I kind of learned to be comfortable in that position. Um, But I will say fronting a tray, is a different story. It's a different fucking ball game Um, because it's (laughs) such a different emotion and such a different energy. Um, And I got very, very fortunate to experience that last summer. Um, So we were set to go to Europe last summer and like, literally four days before um, Al had to pull out. He's like, my back's fucked up. I have to get surgery. Like I can't go to Europe. And it was going to cost us so much money to cancel. Yeah. Like it was going to cost our band. Like it was like at the, the bottom, it was going to be like at least like a $50,000 loss to not go. And it was like fucking hell. Like we can't, and we want to go to Europe. We want to perform. We, I I hate neglecting the other parts of the world. Like I want to go, abroad more than I even want to play here. Cause I love what international touring is. Sure, me too. So 
we figured it out. I called our friend Kyle Rosa, who played drums in Hell or High Water. He had drum tech for us a handful of times. Um, he was currently playing in a band called Dead American. Um, yeah. And who's fantastic. Shout out to my and boy Cove. Like, Straight up. Freaking Cove. Uh, but I was like, hey, you want to go to Europe in three days? And I need you to learn like 16 songs. We'll have one rehearsal in the UK when we get there. And he was like, uh, he was like, I am, I'm about, we're about seven hours from being home from the current dead American tour that I've been on for a month already. He's like, how long is it? I'm like, it's three weeks. He's like, okay, let me talk to my wife and let me call you back. <laughs> so he, he like, he's like, it's a yes, but I need to like, I need to talk to the wife. <laughs> and, uh, so he, he did it. And I'm thankful. Like me and like, we're all best friends, you know, with his wife and as well. Every, and I was, I like called her and was like, please, thank you. Please. And thank you for this. You know? So he, we had one rehearsal and we were able to go to Europe and do that whole tour with him on drums and me in front. And, um, and it went great. Our fans were awesome about it. They were super stoked. We were really like pleased with how we were performing. And like, I got to like experience that to know, you know, it's weird. Like, call it the strange powers of prophecy like it was weird later to be like fuck well we we've experienced this already you know what i mean yeah Um, and so that kind of led us to our current lineup and i was i was the guy that i was like listen we're gonna move forward we made this decision decision we'd made the split and it was like so what do we do now and i was like okay guys i'm gonna go ahead and step back and i'm gonna go in the other room because i can't make this decision like, I'm not going to be the one that's like, I'm going to go up front. Like, fuck. Yeah. Like I can't do that. You know sure. what I mean? I, I absolutely. Uh, and so I was like, you guys talk amongst yourselves and <laughs> I'm feeling and, a little overclipped. Talk amongst yourselves. Exactly. Straight up. <laughs> and uh, so there was like, you know, the decision came from the rest of the band being like, you know, I think that bringing a new voice is going to be awkward as fuck trying to introduce some new flavor that's never had anything to do with this band is going to be the wrong move. And they're like, we loved last summer. We loved the energy with you up front. Kyle did good on fucking great on drums. Like this is what we wanted to be. And I literally, it was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are yep. you positive? Yep. Cause I'm fine with whatever we're going to do. Like I'm obviously okay with this decision, but it, it had to be theirs to make. And that's what we ended up doing. Kyle was stoked to be a part. And I mean, here we are. It's, it, and it's, we're fucking happy, man. Like it sounds really great. And, you know, he is absolutely crushing drums and we've been, right. you know, we just announced like a live stream um, thing, uh, two live stream shows that we're doing um, this last week. And so we've been rehearsing a shitload and he, and he's, he's fallen into it. Fantastic. And myself and Porter are kind of uh, sharing the vocal duties um, on a lot of the old stuff. He's doing most of the screaming um, as people would imagine. Cause he's got a ripping voice on him. Nice. Um, and I'm, you know, doing most of the singing. I'm doing some of the aggressive stuff as well. And then on the new album, it's like really split. Like I'm screaming a good bit. I'm singing a lot of it. But then like everyone in the band sings on a record. Like Dan has his a bridge that he sings for the first time in our career. Like he has his own part of a song. Like all five of us, including Kyle, who came in after the record was almost pretty much done, are like singing harmonies and stuff on the awesome. album. Like so it's it's very, very like much a group effort and and we're we're fucking pumped man it's 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 not many people get the opportunity to have like a a true like rebirth and it's an exciting thing i think for a human to have that opportunity to just be like oh i get to prove myself again like it gives you gives you that fucking internal thing that 
you know, complacency can absolutely crush. For you know? sure. No. And I love the positivity and everything that you have um, for this. And that that's that's so awesome. Um, was it strange, like going from behind the kit where obviously like we can talk about how difficult it is to play drums, especially <laughs> the kind of drums in a Treyu and singing at the same time and singing like sometimes some pretty complicated melodies and, and pitch. You're not just yelling back there like yeah. doing that to okay now i'm running around it's like a different activity <laughs> like and, and i don't know like a lot of people might think it's easier but in a way like you're just so ingrained to to like drumming and singing i'm sure that now you're like hey what do i do with myself <laughs> yeah. like, what was my that? hands what yeah. was your hands your your like <laughs> legs you know like i yeah. just imagine that being uh probably a pretty strange thing initially and probably something that you're still in some ways kind of getting a handle on. For sure. Uh, I'm definitely still, you know, figuring it out. I have the, the major thing is that I'm just so used to pl- sitting behind the drums and playing and singing that when I'm not, I'm like, Oh fuck. Like singing by <laughs> itself is way easier. Like I am, <laughs> yeah. I, I will excel at yeah. singing way more without having this other thing I have to do. But at the same time, now I'm not just sitting. I have to like move around. And as dumb as it is, like my band is like, you're such an idiot. But I'm like, I have to do this. We rehearse at our kind of headquarters is at Dan's merch company. So it's this giant warehouse that we have our own kind of section of. Oh, sick. And the room's not gigantic. But I, so I've been like going outside with my ears and like a wireless mic and kind of just like pacing and running and like <laughs> trying to sing a show, like sing like as I would live or else I'm going to be, you can't just jump on a moving train. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. figuring it out. But as far as like moves, I, I have like sworn to myself and promised, like, I'm not going to like figure out shit I'm going to do. I'm just going to go. I'm going to be myself. I'm sure there's going to be some rad, stupid angles of me that with a double chin or like a weird thing that I wish I didn't do, but just kind of going to go do it. You know, like I just kind of try <laughs> to keep it natural and, and, and keep it real. I'm just, I've been, I've been focusing on the last right. four months on like, getting physically fit and just trying okay. to like be my best healthiest self okay. that way. I have a, I have a question for you then. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of people, you know, I, I'm just a standalone singer. Right. And I'm always like, like, so I'm so gassed. I'm so tired. Like, and everything. And everyone's like, come on, man. Like, so is, is standalone singing and running around and doing the front man thing? Is that, is that more taxing than playing drums? hundred percent. Really? Because it, well, it depends on the elements. We played a show last summer in like Bel- some festival in like Belgium, and it was like sun in our face. And oh, I yeah. have never felt more gassed in my life because you're literally melting. Like yeah. I felt like my skin was melting. So like trying to take a breath when you're just in the beating sun, you know what I mean? It's like singing in an oven. So like I feel like sometimes, sometimes it will end up being more taxing because I'm not sitting stationary like in the shade you right. know but we'll see it's it, it time will tell and that's also another thing i'm excited about like i'm excited to grow into my new position you know absolutely fuck yeah dude well man um the new song save us is out right now for everyone's mm-hmm. listening pleasure on whatever they listen to music on um if you got a few minutes would you mind talking about this song i i like Right away, it grabbed me, and I, I was stoked on, like, it's a short little jam. It's, like, right to the point. It, it kind of takes a hold of you. It doesn't let you go. 
um, it breaks your neck and it moves on. I, I like really like the song. Thank you, man. That was, I mean, sort of intentional. Like we just, that song stuck out since we wrote it. It was one of the first ones we wrote. Um, and um, it was like, this song just fucking rips front to back. Like it doesn't stop. Like you said, we keep joking because I've, I haven't played it to anyone or watched anyone listen to it for the first time without doing this. It's, so we're like, oh, it works. Everyone makes stink face as soon as it comes oh, yeah, on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's that song's just about to, to us. I mean, we what people don't understand, what people don't realize, and and we're going to get this a lot, but it's just out of sheer ignorance. Um, people will be like, fucking lyrics suck. Like, uh, Alex is gone. His fucking bed oh, yeah. sucks. Right. What people don't understand is that he wrote about 10 of the new songs with us. Oh, okay. Um, so like, including save us. So um, lyrically we wrote this song back in like January um, when the fucking, you know, dumpster fire shit show of a fucking planet we live on was only like a slight little burning ember. Like we, back then we only had like part of the world on fire and a a fucking idiot president and all this stuff. We didn't have COVID yet. We didn't have like racial dysfunction everywhere. We didn't have riots in the streets. Yeah. You have to, you have to just laugh or else you're going to just cry. But so for us, it was like uh, the moment in time already felt like that. And I think for us, I've said this in before in uh, an interview, but, like save us is like, for me, it's self-reflective. It's like, it's a, a, a cry out for like truth and hope, but it's also like a cry out to make people realize that if everyone really wants the change in this world that they all scream about and hope for, like it only starts here. Um, so if you start internally, that echoes into your household and your family, which will echo into your friend circle, which will end echo into your community and your state and your country and the world, like if more people can just kind of go inside and say like, what can I fix? What can I be better? How can I be better? Like that, I think will it in turn do more than so much of the other shit, you know? Yeah. But that's what that song is, is about really. Right on, right on. Yes. And can you let anyone or let us know at all when we could expect some more music from you guys or the album? <laughs> It'll be um, in the future. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, pr- next year. Next year. There, all that people know you know is there's so much more coming. Great. Uh, and it's it's been the most painful record of our career so far because, uh, you know, we've watched all of our transformation, I'll call it, yep. has been happening since about m- March. So we've been – Essentially, since about July, we have been sitting on an album that's been in final mix phase and sitting on a whole new chapter for the band, and it's just now starting to happen. So we've all been so stoked, and we're, there's a lot more coming, a lot more coming. Hells yes, Brandon. Brandon Saller, Twitch TV slash Brandon Saller. Don't mm-hmm. miss him on there. What else to tell the people, man, before I let you go? Uh, I mean, I love that we got to hang out twice this week. Yeah. I want to tell everyone that. that yeah. I feel very strongly and positively that we got to hang out twice this week. Um, I, after you left our, my stream on Tuesday, 
a lot of people agreed that we probably should do like a dueling piano stream where we just go back and forth and play songs for, for an entire thing. Um, and, uh, so we'll end up having to do that in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as everything I've been doing, it's, you can see it on my, my social media, Atreyu social media, uh, and on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Brandon Seller. There you go. Awesome. Well, my dude, thank you for your time. Thank you for your stories. Thank you for your honesty. Dude, I, man, I appreciate you. It's always good talking, man. Yeah, thanks for coming. We'll plan on another one, another hang. <laughs> Can't wait, man. Yeah, I love your idea of going song for song. That sounds fun. I love it. All right. All right, cool, dude. We'll talk soon. Yeah, man, take care. Thanks, bud. So there it is with Brandon, and I really do appreciate him coming on for the five-year anniversary of the podcast and just I love his honesty I love his positivity and it's an exciting time for a tray you man a new chapter but I love the new jam I'm gonna play it for you in just a second but I do want to thank you again for five years of this podcast and it still blows my mind it's been a quick five years it's been there's been a lot of stuff but it's still just amazing how time goes by. And let's see. Can we do another five years? Let me know who I should have on the show. If you've got suggestions, send me an email and follow me on social media. And don't forget about Twitch. You know, we're doing live podcasts on there. It's not something that you're going to want to miss. It's really great. I guess that's about it. Man, five years and I'm speechless. It's just amazing. But thank you so much I'm going to leave you with a couple tunes, mostly because this new Atreyu song is real short. So I'm going to play Save Us, the new jam, and then I'm going to end it off with House of Gold, which I think is just an incredible song from Atreyu's last record. Here they are on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. I'll see you next week. Pretending that everything is gonna be alright These are your last days now!